text of the message this morning is the first seven verses and the last verses of John 9. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the word see is used in many different ways in the English language. We use the word see to describe what our eyes do as they look around and import the visual data around us to our brains. We use it to talk about our understanding. When someone tells us something complicated and we pay attention, we say, I see. That means I understand. We also use it, we use the word see to talk about our perspective on something. We say, well, I see it this way. Helen Keller, who was deaf and blind, was credited for saying, pity the person who can see but has no vision, showing that vision can also refer to ideas and goals for the future. In our text today, the Lord Jesus also talks about seeing and blindness in different ways as he recognizes the biggest struggle for the sinner in this life is not their physical hardships, but their rebellious spirit. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, Christ brings the blind and humble to see and worship him. We will see the movement from hurt to healing, from fear to faith, and from ignorance to innocence. So you have John 9 open in front of you, and you could see the picture. As the Lord Jesus was walking along, he saw a man blind from birth. And as we read through these verses, we recognize that the suffering and the hurt of the man that Jesus saw sitting and begging went far beyond just his blindness. Not only was he blind from birth, but as he, he listened to the neighbors discuss whether or not he was the same man who was begging before, well, all of a sudden he learned that no one had really noticed him before. He had never been seen. He was just a, a faceless part of the scenery that hurt. And even when he kept saying that he really was the man who used to be blind. They did not rejoice. They did not celebrate with him. The conversation between the neighbors just continued on as if he did not even exist. Rather than pay any attention to him, they took the voiceless, faceless, blind beggar, ex-blind beggar to the Pharisees to make a judgment about who he is and what to do with the claims that he was making about this man named Jesus. No one celebrated with him. Well, the church's conclusion that was in the line of Job's friends and assumed that blindness has to be punishment from God that further intensified the blind man's suffering as the different scholars debated whether he was like this because of some sin he had committed in the womb perhaps kind of like Esau, or if his blindness was a punishment for some sin that his parents had committed. You can imagine they had Ezekiel 18, verse 4 and 20 open in front of them, looking at the man who sinned. And when we consider that the Pharisees considered a sinner, one who did not have God, as you can see in verse 16 of this very same chapter, 
It's likely that the man lived his life being told and believing that he was a reprobate without any hope in this life or in the life to come. You can imagine that the disciples' questions didn't help him to feel better as they stood there treating him like a faceless, voiceless, hopeless expression of God's wrath, pretending to be judges of what they knew nothing about. The words of Jesus as he answered his disciples would have been like a a, a most marvelous, precious balm of healing for the blind man's soul. Neither he nor his parents had sinned to cause this blindness. Who was this man, Jesus, who took the burden of the guilt of sin off his heart with this declaration? What, a, what an amazing word. What a wonderful thing to hear. The Lord Jesus paid attention to him. The Lord Jesus said it was neither his parents nor him. And brothers and sisters, pay close attention to the declaration that Jesus made. For in the first place, it shows how wrong it is to think that blindness is a specific punishment, an expression of wrath of God against a person. What Jesus said to the crowd around him is also true for us Although our special needs and our illnesses are clearly a result of the moment when sin and decay and death entered the world at the time of the fall, they are not punishment. In fact, when we consider all the different people in the world with all their different sizes and shapes, we recognize that, that different does not always mean bad or, or negative, but rather each difference gives us a unique and special way to bring glory to God. And the Lord Jesus says that. See that in the second place, he goes on to say that the man was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. The Lord Jesus flipped the question around. And instead of allowing the, the blind man to continue to be nothing more than this forgotten, voiceless, faceless object on the side of the road, the Son of Man raises him up to what God made him to be. And he declared to the world that the blind man is actually a privileged and chosen child who would serve as an instrument through whom God would reveal his works. We are humbled. We, as we are reminded that there are different reasons for the hardships and trials we face in this life. It's true, sometimes they're a result of our own sins or God uses them to discipline us and make our faith stronger. But sometimes it also happens that, that the works of God might be displayed. And with this declaration, the Lord Jesus shows us the difference between the day in the light of the works of God and the night when no one will work, he talks about that as well in the first verses. The time when Jesus was on earth and all the way until he returns is, is not the time of, of judgment and condemnation as if it is too late for repentance like it will be on the day of judgment. But that time is a time of day. It is a time for action. It is a time for reaching out, for, for doing the work of God for which Christ was sent, and he includes all of us. He said, it's for us, we must work. 
It's a time for us to let the light of him who was sent from heaven shine out to those around us. The disciples were wrong to imitate the Pharisees. And anyone else who tries to determine the final judgment of God concerning each situation. And Jesus calls them rather to see people as human beings around you. To focus on being caregivers rather than amateur judges. In effect, Jesus' answer is that we need to leave the question of judging with God. We need to recognize that each person, each one of us, is a unique individual with a place in God's plan. We are called to bring glory to his name with our special needs and to reach out to those around us in a non-judgmental and compassionate way. Once again, Jesus confirmed his amazing preaching with a, a wonderful sign or miracle that confirmed that he was healing the blind man's soul. When Jesus spit on the ground, he made mud with the saliva. He, he smeared it right on the man's eyes. It must have see, seemed at first like a childish prank to further humiliate the blind man, making things even, even worse. Perhaps the man, blind man felt a surge of, of anger or, or, or shame or, or even doubt as, as if he wondered if Jesus actually really was like all those other people who came to help him while they secretly despised and pitied him. But Jesus' compassionate words, his declaration of hope and his clear command to wash in the pool of Siloam it lifted the blind man up from his place and, and it carried him on to this miraculous healing. The waters of the pool of Siloam that had been just poured out during the Feast of Tabernacles to commemorate the, the saving water from the rock in the desert. Well, that water washed the mud and, and the saliva out of his eyes. And John says, he came back seeing instantaneously, the one who was sent to the pool that's name means sent, sent there by the Son of Man who was sent from heaven, all of a sudden he could see all the connections in the brain and, and the memories and the general knowledge of scenery that scientists explain would, would ordinarily require many, many years, even with newly, fully functioning eyes. It seemed to have happened in an instant. He who was so hurt and so broken and so ignored was completely healed. And with this healing of his emotions and his, of his emotions and his eyes, God graciously also moved to heal his heart. You see that in the second point. It's very important, brothers and sisters, to notice that this blind man did not ask for this help. Jesus just came to him and graciously healed him. God reached down and, and acted in this man's life so that he could display the works of God and so that God could be displayed through the love and the power of Jesus Christ, his son. But when the man came back from washing the mud and the saliva off of his eyes, 
that man named Jesus was no longer there. And like we read, the neighbors were surprised and they questioned the man who had returned from the pool of Siloam, wondered if it was really the same man who, who before had been suffering. And as we see the conversation develop, it would not be surprising to us that the reason that the Lord Jesus made the mud and told the man to do this washing on a Sabbath was just so that he could bring it to the attention of the leaders of the church. Jesus would not just give this blind man renewed self-esteem, and not just eyes that could see, but he would bring him from fear to faith in the Son of God, put him through a tough test. As expected, the Jewish leaders take issue with the making of the mud and the washing that took place on the Sabbath. And when they started really questioning who Jesus was, it's all about the identity of Jesus. There's no celebration of the man seeing. But as they're, they're questioning who Jesus was and whether someone sent from God would do such a thing, a healing on a Sabbath, the healed man affirmed that he was really a prophet. Now, Jesus had been called a prophet before, but when we learn from the, what we learn from the parents, or the Pharisees' interview with the parents, that any acknowledgement of Jesus as Christ, the Messiah, would be punished with excommunication from the synagogue, we can see that this man was really being led by the Holy Spirit, by God, to overcome fear. Although the synagogue was the only church in the world, outside of it, the man would be destined to be considered nothing more than a pagan and a condemned sinner. The more he interacts with the Pharisees' questions, the clearer the truth becomes to him. And as they force him to take a, a stand one way or the other by, by urging him to give glory to God and declare Jesus as a sinner, we see his faith strengthen as he simply puts all his trust in what God revealed to him, what he saw. He doesn't base his faith on his feelings or on his opinions, but he points the Pharisees to the undeniable facts a little while ago, he says, I was blind and sitting, begging on the ground, and without asking Jesus for anything at all, he came to me and he made me see. Well, the Holy Spirit then uses the Pharisees' unbelief to press the man, to think about, to make a declaration about the identity of the man who healed him. This especially came out when they set Jesus up against Moses, Verse 29, they said, We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Well, that was really the, the final straw. And in verses 30 to 33, we read the beautiful confession of faith of the man who had been healed. He taunts the Pharisees because they don't know a man who can heal a person who had been born blind. Could it be that this man for whom Abraham rejoiced could it be that he would have been opposed by, by Moses? Do you really think that Moses is, is the enemy of this man who heals, who makes the blind see? He says in verse 33, Never since the world began 
Has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind and you're gonna tell me that he's not God? We rejoice as we see the Lord bringing this suffering son of Israel to the glorious declaration that Jesus is from God. John 9 verse 35 says that Jesus heard that the Pharisees had damned the healed man for standing up for him. In their arrogant pride, they refused to see the truth of the miracle. Jesus heard that, we see in verse 35. And once again, you see that the Lord Jesus takes the initiative. We find that Jesus found him. First, Jesus just came and graciously healed him. And now, and as he made the stand for what he believed, Jesus found him. The man refused to recant his faith before the Pharisees. And Jesus meets him as he leaves the blind leaders in the synagogue and as he comes into the light of the day. And Jesus asks him straight out if he believes in the Son of Man. After calling the man to confess his faith before the Pharisees, the Lord Jesus offers him a new home and a new place of worship in him. And after making sure that it really could be that Jesus, that Jew standing before him with human saliva and hands to form mud, to make sure, making sure that he really was the, the Messiah, the, the Son of Man who reveals the glory of God on earth, the man who had been born blind confesses his faith and worships Jesus as Lord. Do not miss this little verse, brothers and sisters. It's, it's, it's the highlight. The healed man confessed that Jesus was his Lord and his master. He confessed his faith in Jesus as his God. He bowed down to the ground before this man in front of him. The highlight of the gospel it should be as famous as the, the confession of Thomas when Thomas says, you are Lord. It's a highlight in the gospel of John who included it so that we too can recognize Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus explains this further in the last verses of our text as he moves the man from ignorance to, to innocence. The Lord Jesus explains to the man that he had come into the world for judgment. And with this, he means that he has come to make it very clear where everybody stands with respect to the gospel of salvation and the God of the covenant. He came like a light to, to show what things, where things are. Having just healed a person who had been physically blind, he makes it clear that a, that a much more serious problem is spiritual blindness, which is an unwillingness to see and recognize Jesus as Savior. And then, brothers and sisters, we see how this text comes right to our heart, right to our life. More serious than physical blindness is spiritual blindness. And that blindness is revealed when the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, shines in the darkness through his preaching and through his miracles, and he forces people to respond either in faith or in disbelief to the truth. 
In this context, the Lord Jesus shows the two reactions that come with the revelation of the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ. He says first that he came into this world so that those who do not see may see. That's verse 39. Those who do not see may see. He's thinking here of the man who was born blind, but who also did not even know who was claiming to be the Son of Man or where he could find him. There's an ignorance here. The Lord Jesus is talking about people who have never heard about the Bible or the gospel, as well as those who may have heard it but do not understand what it says about Jesus. You could think of the Jews. You could think of that Ethiopian who was reading the Bible. He had it. He says, what what does this mean? You could think of the many people today who are are under the false, false teachers, pretend to be explaining what Scripture teaches, but who do not point to Jesus Christ. The gospel message is that anyone who has been sinning in ignorance and weakness and, and due to the physical situations that have made it impossible for them to see and know Jesus Christ, any of them can know that Jesus calls them to repentance and there is life in his name for he is the way, the truth, and the life. In the second place, Jesus says that he came into this world so that those who see may become blind. And the following verses confirm that Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about people like the Pharisees who think that they know better than Jesus himself. Although they only think that they see and perhaps should be able to see for having the word of God and the preaching of the gospel and the signs of of the miracles, the light of the truth, well, that light only serves to show that they are actually closing their eyes in rebellion. Like the Pharisees who refused to accept the man's story that he was healed by Jesus Christ, so many people refuse to submit themselves to Jesus as Lord. The paradox of Revelation is that when the light shines, it exposes the truth. And the blind man is shown to be the one who can see spiritually, and the one whose eyes are are physically seeing are shown by the light to actually have their, their eyes closed, the eyes of their heart. The gospel Preaching brings every person to that point. When Jesus passed by a man born blind, he did not see a worthless, faceless, voiceless expression of God's wrath, but he saw an instrument through whom God would reveal his works. The disciples were wrong to make themselves judges of another man's soul and ask the questions that they did when they should have been showing the man grace and compassion. Jesus included us when he said that we must work the works that God sent Jesus to do while there is still time. And then, brothers and sisters, we need to see that this compassion, it goes beyond just physical help. And when Jesus looked at the man born blind, he saw a man who couldn't see Jesus, couldn't see the saving work in Jesus Christ. 
Jesus saw a man who was affected by the fall into sin and the weakness of the flesh so that he was born blind. But Jesus made it clear that this punishment, this, this blindness was not a punishment of God. God does not punish people in the world for being weak, for sins done in the past that you hate and do not want to repeat, or for sins done in weakness. He does not punish you for, for those sins. He offers life. He offers restoration. He offers the gospel. But he does punish you for rejecting him when he does show himself. The only thing that hinders this relationship with God, the decisions that you make today when Christ Jesus calls you. When God shows you his light, his love, his power, how do we react? When God allows you to, to see his glory, what do you do? Those who close their eyes in ignorance like the Pharisees did can know that the Lord Jesus will punish them. But those who repent, those who humble themselves before the Lord Jesus Christ will see a gracious Savior, a Father with open arms. Brothers and sisters, the gospel that we proclaim in this place, the gospel that we love and that we embrace is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bear the burden of God's wrath against those sins against those sins in our lives that we hate, that we fight against, that we are embarrassed about. Because of the work of Jesus Christ who pays for the sin of everyone who repents and who believes in him, we can declare with joy the words of God in Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 3, and Matthew 12, verse 20. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. It's a great encouragement for us in our struggle against sin. In Christ, we can move from that ignorance to innocence in his blood. And our ignorance and whatever causes a person not to see, whether there are special physical needs or special mental hardships or in a totally different sphere, a, a past life of confusion and bad choices or a family situation that messed up your priorities, you can know that this past situation does not need to hinder your relationship with God today. Praise our King, Jesus Christ who came to bring the blind and the humble to see and worship him as eternal Lord and King. May you walk with joy in his gracious work today and evermore. Amen.